0: Hello, and welcome to the show. This is the Goodwin Podcast, and I'm Nico, your host. How about yoga? How about it? I had a yoga class today. I did the virtual class. And it's been a struggle to show up for anything virtual. I've told the story, especially the first 6 months of quarantine that is just not for me for some reason there was a boundary or a barrier showing up for virtual anything it was almost because it was easier it made it harder to do to actually show up for because the con- it was Like, because I didn't have to leave a particular time, because I didn't have to plan my route, I would actually be late to the few things that I would commit to virtually. And it wasn't on purpose. It's just I would, I knew that I can just jump on the computer uh, right before it started. And therefore, there was no there was less preparation and I'd get caught up in something and then realize that the time had had come or passed the start time. So I I haven't been doing the yoga, particularly guided yoga. I've been, you know, I'll throw a, a sun salutation in once a day, maybe even three. I'll do some intentional breathing throughout the day, but that's more just, you know, that's more for my mental health. I use that as a treatment of anxiety and, uh, and whatever may come up throughout the day. A return to a deep breath, but I wouldn't necessarily call that yoga more just a part of yoga. But today's practice really got me there. Wasn't, you know, basic structure, um, warm up, the sunset, it was vinyasa. So, sun salutations, A, B, um, a little bit of standing work, a little bit of back work, core work, and then shavasana. And I don't know if it's because I've taken so much time away that it made it that much sweeter to return. But more likely, I just think it's what my body needed. The teacher, I I can't recommend him enough. Um, he's in Minnesota. His, his studio is Radiant Life Yoga. Uh, and he has a, a co-owner uh, as well. It's Matt Portwood and the co owners Jaina. And it's, it's, He did, I mean, besides just knowledge of the postures and of the sequences and and building a solid uh, structure, um, you know, wisdom, wisdom interlaced throughout it, presented in a way that's easily digestible. And the reminder um, at various points of the practice to, to view the movement as a prayer. And to me, that's significant because I'm learning how to pray more and more uh, as I practice or more and more as I put intention towards learning how to pray. Uh, I've had teachers, if you will, shamans, if you will, musicians, who have been able, you know, who know how to pray, know how to share their voice through prayer. and, uh, And that's one way of doing it. But also a reminder that dance, that yoga, that anything can be an offering or a thanksgiving or a th- yeah, a thank you, a moment of awareness or return to the present which suffices as a prayer sometimes. So it was nice to to do that to Empower the movement or the, the sun salutation as an offering to something bigger than myself. And not even. The prayer could be for myself, through myself. Um, asking for something or thanking myself for something even simple. Like the ability to to practice, the ability to have functional arms and, and legs. And that's set up for a really potent uh, Savasana, which I he's a, he's a great musician, and as I've talked about in the past episodes, music is the closest. I love seeing the videos of elderly people with dementia. I saw one recently, and they sat like this old, very old woman next to a piano and, and I think they said, you know, play Beethoven's Seventh seventh Symphony. And she goes, ah, I don't know how to do that. And then all of a sudden her fingers find the keyboard and she just busts out a beautiful, beautiful, is it sonata? I don't know, a piano the Seventh Symphony. Like without a hitch, without a hesitation, and it makes me think like when the mind goes away, when, when our bodies begin to dissolve and the music is, and the rhythm is still left, that, that's, to me, that's evidence that rhythm, music is more foundational, more fundamental to existence. In the beginning, there was a word, In the beginning, there was a sound, and that sound was God. And, I use that as evidence because if I, I kind of see it as erosion. So if the body erodes over time and the mind begins to erode, it it begins to expose the core, and and music is left over for those who have trained it. That could be overly metaphysical or under, underly logical. Um, but it's, I like, I like viewing it this way and music certainly gets me there. It's the, it's the best bridge I have to my emotions. It's the, it's a great bridge to my imagination and my imagination is a way to access these different parts of myself, these different aspects of myself, and I, I tie this to visions a lot. I think when people have these hallucinogenic, psychedelic visions, it it could be almost a coping to make sense of it all, to make sense of a feeling that's so abstract that we have to create something that we can understand, and we can understand form. And music is kind of like this formless thing um, that helps me access that formless part of myself and I'm able to process it through my imagination or through painting pictures in my brain um and that's an that that's a simplification of it because I think there's much more to it for example during shavasana of this yoga class um he started to play a particular song I never had heard it before I hadn't been aware that I had heard it before and uh you know, I sat up, I didn't, I didn't really want to lay and receive. I I felt like empowered to sit up and like almost show up for the song and show up for myself and for him playing and for everyone else in the class. Like I was in a good mental space because of the practice. It felt very, it was cleaning. I, I felt like I was back in ceremony praying. Um, and it's been, Yeah, it's just been, it's just been some weeks where I've I've dove into this prayer space and the images that came to mind during this one song, I saw, I clearly saw myself as a child or rather I saw myself, like, I remember there's a particular picture. I'm in like an orange tank top, three, two, two or three, orange tank top, little shorts, probably light up, light up sneakers, but whatever. And I saw myself and it was as simple as holding myself, allowing no, like, and I'm, and I saw myself and knowing what that child was going to go through. We all go through a journey. It's, I'm not special in suffering by any means, but just knowing the the difficulty of life and of what it can be sometimes and just allowing that child myself to sit on my lap and uh keeping myself safe and i started cr- i started to cry i th- oh i think the song was about sacred water and You know, what gets you what gets you crying like sacred water. And so I'm holding myself in my mind, in my imagination. But then it went one step further. Because now I saw myself as an old man. Holding myself, holding myself. And <laughs> Um yeah, this kind of absence of time and space, this approach into the infinity where yeah, I was just I was there for myself. In in simple presence and simple touch and one step further I saw my old ma- my old self moving into death on it was like a deathbed imagery, and my my current self uh, holding space for that vision of me passing. And, and I was able to weep, you know, I was able to cry. And I wonder sometimes it feels good to cry. It, it feels good. And and though I don't regret it, the tears I've I've shared. Sometimes I think. I wonder if I can hold that energy, and not release, and not necessarily cry. I I wouldn't say I'd say a lot of. Man, the story is maybe we need to cry, but I haven't really had problems with crying. I've been able to emote fairly well. Like I've, there's some men, I haven't cried in 87 years. Eh, that's not me. I. It's like uh, once a month, I'll get a good weep in. It's gone down a little bit because I haven't felt like, I have felt like I'm able to hold that power, hold that emotion. And I wonder I wondered if I didn't cry that out, um, if I was able to kind of hold that emotion and almost send it, whatever, send it up through the heavens, and down through the earth and almost um, reinforce the sentiment behind that emotion, which was being there for myself at all walks of life. So good to give, so good to receive, so good to laugh, so good to believe, so good to cry. So, yeah, thankful for this return to yoga. I had a uh, hurt my back. If you go back to, if you go to the TP episode, episode 14, I believe, um, sitting up all night for 14 hours uh, plus, no back support. I was really exhausted the next day, but instead of just giving myself the opportunity to rest, I went and I, I did a workout with weights. Um, and I, I I tweaked my back a little bit, no big deal. I slept on it and then I went the next day and I, I wanted to do weights again. And, and this time I kind of loaded my, my spine for back squat and I did some squats and I, I felt better. And I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, sometimes movement is the solution. It, it, the, the tweaks and the pains and the tensions in the body, like movement, I think in a guarded mind, in a fearful mind, we think we have to freeze up, stay perfectly still and not move it so that it can heal. And I don't practice this myself. I think movement brings the healing. I mean, one, it brings blood flow. Um, and as long as there's no physical structural damage, like bones broken, etc., if, um, if you can feel into that, I, I like bringing movement into these spaces. But I hurt, I woke up the next morning and my back was even more stiff. And it was stiff in a way where I I was walking and I wanted and I locked up my diaphragm locked up I, I couldn't take deep breaths and um, it, it scared me a little bit and I I'm like okay I think I think rest is the time is the solution this time in this in that moment um, but now I'm on the back end of that yesterday I, I played jujitsu and I went about 80 percent uh, in the grappling and felt okay. And today I got to do yoga. And I was going into the the twists and the turns and really moving and processing this, the place where I can still even feel uh, where there was tension in my body, in my back. And coincidentally, or non coincidentally, um, after I'd hurt my back, I And it locked up. That was a a day I was supposed to go and meet with some people. And I I called the person who was hosting. I said, you know, can't even drive well. can't even breathe well. I'm going to rest. I'm not going to show up today. And I didn't want to tell him the pain I was feeling for some reason. Why? Well, because I didn't really want them to, like, try to fix it, you know. I just wanted to let them know I wasn't going to be there. And I'd ended up slipping. I'm like, yeah, my back. He's like, Oh, your back's hurting. I was like, oh fuck. Yeah. And um and that same person a couple days later posted this Alex Gray um picture, this painting, and it was a painting of a guy, of a man with like lightning bolts coming out of his back and he's holding his back like this and there's like demons all around and underneath it was a poem. And I'm like, is this personal? Is this personal? And if so, maybe, I don't know, is there something wrong with that? Like, it's making it about me and I I feel the ego rising to the surface here, but I'm going to allow it. It's like if I share with you I'm having back pain and then you post a photo called Back Demon two days later with a poem underneath, I feel it's kind (laughs) of towards me. And if so, I was like, why don't you just send that picture to me? And the reason is because it's beautiful to share with others. And like I'm not personally calling him out right now, Sam Botner. I was, he didn't call me out. But. It's like the not knowing the subtlety of is this about me? Was this directed to me? I would almost prefer if you posted it to public and then also sent it to me. Hey, you that you made me think of this, or I saw this picture after we talked to you. After we talked, and uh, and uh, I wanted to share it. But Alex Gray, if you don't know Alex Gray's art, um. The ability to capture the human experience, the psychedelic experience particularly, which I don't like to make a delineation between the psychedelic experience and the human experience. I think psychedelics maybe allow us to see what is already there. It doesn't necessarily change what's already there. But his ability to capture it is unparalleled. I haven't seen anyone like I'll go through all these experiences and then I'll stumble across Alex Gray's website again. And it's just like, wow, I've, this is how I would want to draw my experience. This is so close to what I felt when I was purging or when I was suffering or when I felt enlightened or when I felt deep in prayer or, or my hero's journey at various points. It's like, uh, Check out Alex Gray's art if you if you haven't already, you probably know of him and uh, you've probably seen his art, but this is just a friendly reminder. So I go so this back demon, this guy holding his back, one of Alex Gray's pieces. He doesn't really describe it, but in the photo, it's like this pain, this tension is is not just of you. That's kind of what I take from it. It's kind of. It's. It's a demon. It's. It's. Oh, man. How do I say this? That pain. It may be helpful to not just. uh, To process the pain. It might be helpful to create a sense of separation. Just like our imagination does. It creates form out of formless. And. And see these pains um, as something to face, something to process, something to feel into. And a lot of times when I do feel into that pain, there will be particular imagery. During the yoga class, during savasana, I was laying down and I felt, I saw this scary face above me, just briefly. And at first I wanted to like create a bubble in my mind to repel it, but Instead of the repelling it, I, uh, I like try to dissolve it. I dissolved it with like, uh, (laughs) a supernatural blast, like, like a mage in world of Warcraft, just like a blast. I dissolved this face. It turned to dust and floated down into my body in my mind's eye. And then I was empowered with feeling what, like, I don't know what's going on. But I like to, I like to play with this. I like to do this stuff or it's even necessary because I'll see the scary face. I want to run away. I'm learning to face things, not necessarily to let them in like that, but I dissolved it with a sense of love, light, or whatever I was in in the moment, which was a sense of, which was peace and stability and showing up for myself. I saw it enter me like rain, like a, a glitter and then empowered me with emotion and after that I was able to sit up and have that that vision of that I was talking about earlier in this episode so I don't know is my point what I do know is sometimes when I have these aches and pains and sometimes when I have these injuries they they do tend to move around or I am able to alleviate some symptoms or some pain with this feeling into it, this mental deconstruction and or this imagination construction exercise. And somehow, some way, it helps me process the pain. There was a point last week when my back was hurting the most. I'm like, oh, this might be serious. And the fact that I've come out on the other end, and I'm able to still practice the jujitsu, I'm still able to do the yoga, I feel completely liberated, and I actually feel like I've gained something from it. It's it's validated itself, is gonna reinforce this practice of using my imagination, of feeling into stuff, and then kind of allowing the image to fall. I'm not necessarily forcing these images to come at all. If anything, in a more rational mind, maybe images that I've seen earlier. Um books I've things I've consumed earlier are affecting how I shape this imagination or how this subconscious shapes these images um, but I'm not consuming things with the intention of having of using it for an emotional release 10 years later x x amount of time later So it's very, very tough to explain this, but I feel like most people can pick up what I'm putting down, relate to what I'm talking about, and if you're able to articulate it better, please do share. Not better. If you're able to articulate it, I'm interested. (sighs) Yoga. The reason I started yoga is not the reason I'm doing I do yoga anymore by any stretch of the imagination. The reason you start something might not be the reason you continue it. Particularly over time and space. I was in college and I was powerlifting every day, doing olympic lifts every day, which I also wouldn't necessarily recommend, but whatever it's made me who I am today. I like olympic lifting. And I realized that I was limited in my Olympic lifting because I lacked a flexibility uh, to progress. So strength, as I see it, as I've been taught, is you create a range of motion and you strengthen at that range. Then you create a deeper range of motion if possible, and then you strengthen at that new range. And it's kind of, I like strength work when you cycle in the mobility and strengthening at a new range or a new mobility. So the deep squat, for example, I would only be able to squat to 90 degrees, let's say. And then when I went past that, my heels would come off the ground um, or I would sacrifice a certain amount of posture. So I had to train myself to be able to to squat past 90 degrees, uh, past 90 degree of my knees, and then I was weak there when I found that new range because I had to get there by basically being in a squat position, allowing my muscles to lengthen over time. So I was weak in this new range, so I would have to then strengthen there. So you, act, I was actually regressing in terms of weight at first, but then I've strengthened, I've strengthened at these all these different ranges. I, I'm able to go butt to heels and keep my heels flat to the ground and I'm able to squat, well, guess what? When I returned to uh, a lower range squat, squatting only to 90, or I'm able to uh, actually, my strength's improved. And more importantly, my athletic and functionality is improved, which is the focus of my movement now. But at the time, I I started to know, okay, I'm Olympic lifting, I'm not progressing anymore, I I need to increase my flexibility yoga yoga was popular so i take a yoga class an actual class at the university of iowa and what was cool about that was it was not just an it was not just you show up and a teacher brings you through movements they say words and positions that you have no idea what these names are um like Peregas, you know, gustasana and malasana and Uh, you know, sun warrior A, B, warrior one, two, three, whatever. I'm not, (laughs) not trying to be a yoga teacher, but if you've ever gone to a yoga class for the first time, you'll, it's difficult. You'll find yourself looking around or you'll look up at the teacher. What does, what does half moon mean in terms of how I orientate my body? But what's beautiful about my experience is that I went to a class and they actually did a little bit of history. They did, they broke down the positions, uh, with time, um, patience, and slowly. So I learned a sun salutation A and B over the course of a semester. And so when I did decide to go to classes, I actually already knew a lot of the terminology. I didn't have to keep looking up and breaking my practice. I could just kind of stay in my zone, hear what they were saying, and then move accordingly. So I did this, and when the class was over, I'm like, dang, I, I like this. Don't really know why yet, but I like the way it makes me feel. It feels different than lifting, just lifting. And I started to go to classes outside, and still Olympic lifting being my primary focus, strength training being my primary focus. And I'd go to these classes, and I noticed my flexibility was improving. And not only that. Side note: I realized that finding, like, creating relationships with beautiful athletic women. If you wanted to this meet beautiful athletic women, and not have too much competition in terms of other guys around, um, yeah, yoga's a, yoga was a pretty great place. So it fed the ego too. Not that I took it anywhere. I was unfortunately I didn't create. Long-lasting relationships in, in the yoga studio in that yoga studio, because I didn't really talk to anyone, um, I just looked longingly. Um, but it still made me. F- it still was nice to be in a place where there was beautiful people, and uh, that that's part of the egos. That was another reason I kept showing up on even the days I didn't want to work on my flexibility, mobility for my power for powerlifting and strength training but what i soon came to realize and what keeps me returning to yoga 10 years later is the slowing down i talk about this all last episode but yoga some something about pairing your breath with your movement it takes up both the mind and body. So the mental chatter is reduced. And when that, in that quietness of the mind, um, I found that I was able to, I found a presence that would make me feel amazing, would help me emotionally uh, gain mo- emotional intelligence and empathy for myself and gave me confidence because I started to realize who I was and started to build my self esteem. So I would I would show up to yoga because it would it would transform my mind. I was I didn't realize the amount of anxiety I was walking around with, the amount of um, tension I was holding in my mind and body, which I'm still working through. There's there's infinite to learn, and that's why the practice continues, because. It does that for me still today. I mean, it's just such a beautiful practice of creating tension, moving through—you know, deciding to move through the tension—and then the payoff is has been superb on that level. That's not just uh, physical. So I start yoga to help strength training. At first I stay in yoga. I'm really attracted to it because I'm, I'm seeing beautiful women and, um, and then it becomes much more, I started to start to uncover and dust off, uh, you know, lift the fog from my consciousness and, and the physical improvements came. We talked about this in class today. It's like, I am drawing these distinctions between the mental and the physical and, and the spiritual. But that delineation isn't necessary. It's only a way to communicate. Because what I come to realize is that, you know, they all are bound in one. My, my mental process is bound to to how I'm physically holding myself, carrying myself, what I'm working with. And uh, and spiritual is the mystery or the unknown or it's that which, you know, is aware that I have thoughts. That which can observe the thoughts but also not be the thoughts, if that makes sense. That which can observe different parts of the body without, like I can observe the sensation in my hand right now. Am I only my hand? Maybe. But No. There's a holistic thing happening um, that's a little bit harder to discuss. And yet we try. We try anyway. And so I leave college and uh, I go to Argentina and I end up moving in with a yoga instructor and her family. And she has a studio in her house and my practice deepens. I stop lifting and I start pretty much only doing yoga. Because there wasn't weights when I went to South America. It was, I just had a yoga studio. So I'd work on inversions and headstands and and show up to her class, which she so graciously allowed me to, you know, kept showing up to. It was in Spanish, so I didn't understand anything. So I was back to square one. Like, she'd say something and I'd have to, like, look up and and see what people were doing. Um, You know, not wanting to just completely do my own thing in class. And then after that, I, I moved back to Chicago. I found it beautifully. Uh, and, and then I kind of move, I, I move around in the yoga studios. There's self-practice has been a really, really important thing at, at some point. I think that led class going to classes was a very um, necessary part to start to understand the language start to understand the shapes start to understand basic sequencing Um, there's something to surrendering to someone else's sequence where I don't have to think about it anymore and therefore I'm more open to explore other parts of my mind and body But when I reached kind of a plateau of not wanting to go and do the yoga anymore, and then somehow I fell into a self-practice, a solo practice, and that was like a rocket ship at that time, a rocket ship of starting to have deeper understanding of the practice and therefore myself. And I, I encourage anyone who's only done yoga classes, led yoga classes, to give an earnest effort to... To do their own, you know, build a fifteen-minute sequence and do it, or do an improvised sequence for fifteen minutes, an hour, two hours, ten hours, whatever it is, and and really go into that self-practice. You're going to surprise yourself. And uh, then I received a uh, scholarship through Lifetime Fitness, where I was working at the time as a trainer. To get a, a yoga certification. So I went through the yoga certification, even deepened my practice a little bit more. And I started sharing, started teaching movement. And I I taught yoga specifically for a very short time because I've approached movement more holistically than yoga. Um, at least I did when I was teaching, where I liked getting off the mat, I liked interacting with others. Because movement changes when there is now dynamics between and between multiple duets and, and trios and et cetera. So getting off the mat and and being silly, playing games, that was a lot of what I did. Um, and yoga was like a supplement to this movement practice. So I, maybe on some days I'd start the class with five minutes, ten minutes of eat something that seemed like yoga. Uh, Sun salutation A's, intentional breath, and then we'd get into more of a playful um, movement practice. And now the yoga journey kind of starts again, Um, started today. So thankful, thankful for yoga. And, uh and the return to it particularly in a time where movement classes are less available uh, called inward called to more of a solo practice and yoga is certainly uh, a solo practice hmm bueno that's all that's coming through today this is the yoga episode and i hope you've enjoyed it and i hope you share your yoga experiences your counterpoints to what i've said your agreements this is a safe place if you want more personalized messaging or you want to get a hold of me um or set up a Zoom call or something, go to OnlyFans, onlyfans.com slash goodwinpodcast or my Patreon account and subscribe there. And uh, I'd be happy to practice yoga with you, uh, leading you through any sort of movement exercises or just hear your journey um, and reflect back to you how important movement and, and yoga has been to me. So please consider checking out our Patreon, our OnlyFans account, and subscribing to help support me, to help support this podcast, and to help support our goal of bringing the bison population back to the Great Plains to restore the land, soil, and water. This has been The Good Wind. Thank you so much for being here. Goodbye.